What's up, guys? You're listening to the FYI podcast where we talk about all things from your life and adulting, faith and relationships, Mm -hmm. I mean, theology and and finances and so much more. I'm Josiah Keneally. And I'm Mikey Keneally. Happy Friday, everybody. It's a joy to be your host Mm -hmm. of this podcast. Hey, thanks for subscribing, for sharing this episode with somebody who needs a little bit of a pick me up, a, li- a little bit of encouragement, mm-hmm. um, a dose of faith, and um, just to keep going, mm-hmm. to be reminded not to give up. So, thanks for sharing this with your friends, your small groups, your ministries, and um, for leaving us a subscription and mm-hmm. a rating and review as well. Yeah. So, we like to unpack one of the questions that you have that you've been asking. And today's question actually comes in and it is going to be a deep dive, hopefully into some of our hearts, right? Because the word turmoil comes in here. We think of messy, murky, unknowns, right? So here's a question. It says, how do I persevere despite turmoil? Oh my gosh. That's a hard question. It is. This question came in from a survey that we sent out at a, uh, college ministry conference that we spoke at. Mm -hmm. And so this came from a college student who's just saying, how do I persevere? How do I keep going? In other words, how do I not give up? Because there's turmoil. Maybe it's inside you. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's externally in your circumstances. Mm -hmm. But we're going to talk today about perseverance, about sticking with it, about not giving up. And you might want to check out last week's conversation Mm -hmm. where it was, um, it fits in and ties in almost a mini series mm-hmm. um, about how to get back up after your dreams are crushed. That was last week's yeah. conversation. So, so good. And we're going to double down on it and really go to the verse of the day. I'm turning to the book of Romans um, chapter five and specifically verses three through five. Yep. So going to read three verses and Romans five, this is Paul writing. And he says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. That seems countercultural. He says, because we know that sufferings produce our suffering produces perseverance. There's that key word today. And perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. Mm-hmm. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Yeah. It reminds me of, is it James? Consider it pure joy, my brothers. We used to have this song in Alaska. We made up, consider it pure joy, my brothers. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, many kinds. Sing it. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Oh my gosh, you guys. They actually had us on a radio station for a kids camp with that song. That Not even a song. A verse that made a song. And I think that there's a lot of unfortunate truth in that uh verse because mm-hmm. consider it pure joy my brothers whenever you face trials of many kinds okay how do i truly celebrate the junk that i'm walking through and say oh praise god oh brother sister i see you good job keep walking that's hard whether you're the one saying things that are christianese or cliche because your soul is saying one thing but the word of God is probably saying another, right? And he wants our soul to be at rest. And he wants us to be in a spirit of thanksgiving constantly. Like when we enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise, I mean, like we enter um, the room and the throne room of God through prayer, even when we're going through the hardest things. But I've realized this is what you should do first. Thank him first. 
Wow. Maybe not thank him for what you're walking through right away, but thank you, God, for the breath in my lungs. Yep. Thank you, God, that there is uh, a family in my life, that there is a roof over my head, that there's food in my fridge, whatever it is. And when we start to thank God for something, That's instead good. of looking at the turmoil in our life, it kind of sh- starts shifting our heart towards, wow, it's really not that bad. Or if it's bad, I'm like, could it get any worse? Like, and that's not a question I always want to find out the answer to. But when we look at those verses, even in Romans or in James, mm. consider it pure joy. Yeah. Or um, consider it glory. Okay. Yeah. All right. Glory to God in all the sufferings. Because guess what? What he did on the cross and how he suffered the unimaginable death and crucifixion on the cross, our suffering is so temporary in comparison to eternity. Yep. Eternity equals forever. It's like Sandlot. Forever. Forever. You can't even wrap your mind around that. So I didn't even intend on saying any of that, but I just feel like I can relate Mm -hmm. on some of these levels of what we're unpacking today. And Josiah, what do you got to say? I mean, I see so many people struggle in their faith and I don't think that's bad. Right. What did I just say? I'm a pastor. (laughs) I'm hosting a podcast. And I said that I see people struggle with their faith and wrestle with their faith. And I said, that's good. Mm -hmm. Who this? Who am I? What, like, what kind of heresy or blasphemy is it? But do you know what I mean when I say that? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Well, I just think of it as a sports analogy. Like I think of the blood, sweat, and tears that go into everyday practice, two days. We're in the football season, so I'll even use like the NFL. They're practicing. They are dedicating their time, their body. They're beating their body into submission to like the coach and the plays. And like it's mind, it's body, it's soul, it's teamwork, it's individual performances. It's what you fuel your body with is what is going to come out in your plane and when they're, when I think of this, when somebody wins the NFL, when they get that trophy and the team and everybody is crowding them and the, the, the interviewers are there and everybody's there and they're celebrating and the confetti's flying and there's tears of happiness and the family's coming around them and they're throwing water and Gatorade and dumping each other. Like in that moment of celebration of what the ultimate goal was in the NFL is to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. When you're in that moment, you forget about that first practice that you were puking your guts at, right? Or you forget that play that you got sacked so hard that you can't even catch your breath, that you cracked a rib. Like, and I think, I think in sports analogies all the time in my life. So I think even when we, when you're saying that, I can't think about, oh my gosh, I have a cramp, (laughs) side ache, side ache. Oh, I have a blister on my foot of life. And, but the ultimate goal is Jesus. The ultimate goal the the NFL Super Bowl of our lives, if you want to take it that way, is dying and hearing well done and going to heaven to be with Jesus yes. face to face. Yeah. You forget everything that happened here because it's like it was all worth it. Yeah. In the NFL, was it worth that injury and the dick game too? Yep. But there was a recovery process and now we're here to celebrate. Mm-hmm. So I think for the person who thinks like I do in that regard, when you say that, all I can think about this cut is minor. Yeah. This season, this turmoil is minor in comparison to the forever, the ultimate celebration, the, the, I don't know. 
Does well, that help? It, How do you, what did you mean when you said that? I what guess? I mean, when I say that, I think that it's good for you to struggle yeah. in your faith. It means that there's weight. It means that there's value. If you're it's worth fighting for, it's worth fighting for. And if you back out the second, um, smoke is detected the <laughs> second that there's a little bit of bumps there's okay we're on the flight and there's a little bit of turbulence the captain isn't even speaking he's pretty calm he's pretty cool he's it doesn't mean quiet. you're open the emergency exit no it means no. buckle up it means <laughs> hey sit down for your comfort for your own you gotta relax you gotta t- you gotta relax settle down because he's been there before and and the first bump in the road, if you are running and ready to ditch faith, the second that you're meeting resistance, I just think that my concern as a pastor, as a ministry leader would be mm-hmm. when your faith can't withstand a storm. Mm-hmm. And I think that it could be so easy to convert to Christianity rather mm-hmm. than to make a lifestyle change of following Jesus. It's really easy to have a diet and lose a couple pounds, but to make a health shift and, and make a lifestyle change. It's easy to set a new year's resolution. It's a little bit harder to stick with the goal. Mm-hmm. And when we, when we talk about perseverance, there's going to be some bumps and bruises yeah. and struggles and trials and tribulation and challenges. Jesus said it Yeah. in this world. You're going to face mm-hmm. trial, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Yeah. So he wants us to have a faith that meets resistance. And when the rubber meets the road, we didn't ditch mm-hmm. and we didn't jump out of the, and grab the parachute because we were not meant to jump ship. Yeah. We were meant to stick with it through the struggle yeah. and the storm. Well, speaking of struggles and th- storms, I think of this, the, when they're talking about when Jesus and the disciples get on the boat to go to the other side, right. And the storm starts happening. Bingo. Like you have to get on the boat means get on the boat of faith and say yes to Jesus. And in the story, like it, it talks about, and a storm came and they reached the other side. Yes. Guess what? No matter what storm you're in, you're going to reach the other side. Yep. Like that's good. That's th- a good word. You man. can't expect to get in the boat and reach the other side without some form of a storm. Yep. And I think when we can withstand the storm and when we are truly anchored in the word of God, when our boat is anchored and tethered to him through truth, to relate through relationship, when the storms come, why does it talk about a Proverbs 31 wife? What does she do? She laughs at the days to come. Why? Because she knows whose she is and she knows who she is in Christ. And there's so nothing that the enemy can kill, steal, and destroy without our permission Yep. or without God's permission initially. But what, when we give him an inch, are we going to give him a mile? Cause he will take a mile every time. Yeah. So I just think like, if you're going to get on the boat and it, it's so funny, cause in the thing, it's like, oh, and they're all the, everybody's kind of in a tizzy freaking out. The storm's coming and they reach the other side, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, it sounds so easy and simple, but when you're in the midst of it, it's what are you turning to in the process of the storm, whatever the storm or the turmoil is. And you know what? We are raising littles. There's two little kids in our house. They're two and three. And we love being parents. And that is an adventure. It's not for the faint of heart. One of the things that we've decided is to not do everything for them that they can learn to do for themselves. So last night, pulling up a stool, our younger daughter is the youngest, and she's helping me with the dishes. And she wanted to help. She wanted to help. And so could I do the dishes for her for the rest of her life? I could. Mm -hmm. But you know what? 
one day she's going to need to learn how to soar and to fly. And this is good for her Mm -hmm. to learn how to help, to learn how to contribute, to learn how to sweep and clean. And they love helping. Mm-hmm. And we should love helping God. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is the Christ followers response. When we face a trial and we face a challenge, we say, this is good for me. Mm-hmm. And I've learned to adopt that. There's things that anytime I, I sense something that's uncomfortable <laughs> and, and Micah could attest to this. And most of the time I mean it. And sometimes I tell it to my own self to preach it to my soul, but I'll get, I mean, there was a couple of times recently where like, I had a horrible customer service experience at a store or at a restaurant. What did I say? That was good for me. That's good for me. You know why? It's refining. You know why? It's I'm embracing. I'm not here to embrace a struggle-free life. Right. The struggle is good for us. And you know what? Some challenges Mm -hmm. for our daughter. I just, I could fix some of the problems, but you know what? It's better for grit and problem solving yeah. and critical thinking that they learn to solve some puzzles themselves rather than me doing it for them. I think that God doesn't always do that. He kind of operates in a mm-hmm. way that he's there to mm-hmm. answer prayer. He's there for us when we intercede, but he's also going to let us sometimes problem solve and critically think ourselves. This is why it's good for us to face trials Mm -hmm. and sufferings and challenges Mm -hmm. and pain Mm -hmm. and embrace those challenges. And, um, babe, I know that at the weekend, way back in May, you preached a sermon that was absolute fire on an unwavering faith. And there's a few things that we all need if we're going to have a faith that endures. Talk about what is an enduring faith and what do we need to encapsulate and have a faith that endures? Well, I think one thing that we need to look at is the word of God. Like who had an unwavering faith in the midst of trial and confusion or unnecessary terms of term of events yeah constantly and turning over in their life over and over and over and one example that we can look at in one individual is job the whole book of job might be no greater example than that yeah and it's not job so if you read in the bible it's not job job that's job that's that's who he is and he had a family he had acreage he had animals he had a wife he had children he had everything he was probably one of the richest people and right. the, the devil actually lucifer actually went into heaven and said hey God, you say that you have this righteous man, this faith-filled man named Job. Can I do X, Y, and Z? And God's like, you can do anything but take his life. You can do anything but kill him. And he goes back to him two or three times, asking more each time with more intensity. So the first couple of times he asked him, can I do this? Can I do this? Can I do this? And God grants him, grants him permission. And the enemy gets so frustrated and so angry because there's one point where Job's wife goes, why don't you just curse your God and die? Wow, what a life. Okay, I love you, babe. But why don't you just curse your God and die? Because we're losing everything over here. You're covered in boils. You got sores. Your friends don't even want to talk to you. Like, I can't even look at you. Like, you're so grotesque. Why don't you just curse your God and die? And and yes. we and we're over here kind of like saying, like, oh man, who is this? But how many people do we know who have way less persecution and way less suffering than Job did. Yeah. And they do curse God and die. Yeah. And they do jump ship off of their faith and they do go for the exit sign and just peace out. 
Yeah. But I mean, to kind of put it into perspective, like if we were to convert the things that Job lost, we're talking like millions of dollars worth of cattle. All of his children died. His wife stayed living. He lost his house, his land, literally everything. His own health was diminishing. He had friends that would visit him and say, just sit in silence for days. And they'd be like, well, what sin did you commit to deserve this from God? Because this is obviously the wrath of God upon you. Yeah, and getting what you deserve, yeah, in other words. Yeah, and he's just like, no, my God is faithful. And he's reminding his friends who God is in that moment. And to me, like, I can look at his character and I was like, I don't know if I, if my story would be the same as his. I wow. don't know if I could be like, I still love God through it all. I can't even sit and my skin is peeling and my mm-hmm. friends hate me and my husband's rebuking me and telling me to walk away from my God. Like, those are not small things and to lose loss. Like, and if ever to go back and read, if you want to read the book of Job, but there's like, literally, it's like the only people who had survived all these tragedies of like, I don't know if it's like a tornado or whatever that came Mm -hmm. through and killed. And then the livestock and then it killed all the army and the men. And it's literally within like a little paragraph where a, a messenger came. He wasn't even done with that conversation of hearing what he lost or who died. And another messenger came kind of like, interrupted and said oh and by the way this happened oh and another one came so imagine they're like the only survivors yes barely escaped to tell them the update yes so if you have those three or four conversations in one sitting you would be so i would be so shell shocked i'd probably just like want to vomit right there because everybody's dead like god's taking everything but i still love him he's still faithful he's still faithful wow and the form of unwavering faith, I think it's demonstrated in wow. four things. And I just want to say, and I don't want to compare your life to Job, Job to you or to us or anything, but when I am discouraged or I find myself up against something, the word of God does and is active, alive and true and never comes back void. Yeah. And the people that God chose to use were the most unlikely rejects of the Bible that try to disqualify themselves or that were completely disqualified from others saying like, you're never going to amount to be anything. You're never going to do X, Y, and Z. And even people in our day and age currently who are living, who are actively presenting the gospel have been told very similar things. Mm -hmm. Obviously they're not in the Bible, Mm -hmm. but they can, our our spirit can bode well to know that Mm -hmm. hopefully our stories is not as bad as Job's. Mm -hmm. So his turmoil was elements of that. So go read Job if you want to be encouraged (laughs) because you will be like, wow, no matter what you're walking in, it's not that bad. Yeah. And if it is that bad, I'm sorry. Like God's going to meet you and he can redeem you, but remain faithful and true to him. Don't deconstruct your faith because one of your prayers isn't answered. Don't walk away and denounce the name or like deny the name of God or Jesus just because you don't know the why Lord help me to embrace you. And will you just embrace me in this season and to, and to obtain an unwavering faith. There's four things I just want to share quickly. And it's number one, and Job demonstrated all of these. So that's where these pull from. Number one, Christ. Christ needs to be at the center of it all. Not Christ cannot become the center of your crisis alone. He needs to be the center of your daily. How many of you only pray when crisis hits? Oh my gosh, I got midterms. I didn't study. Lord, be with me today. Okay, the test is in front of you. How did you prepare? Okay, Lord, I don't know if I should be in this relationship. Help me get out of it. Did you pray about getting into it? Oh my gosh, Lord, like my finances are out of whack. Why did you open the credit card? You know, so there's all these things. When Christ is at the center of everything, when you start thinking and reading the word of God and understanding his character, you start becoming more like Christ in that process. So Christ needs to be the center of it all because that will help 
anchor you in an unwavering faith, no matter what comes your way. Number two is community. The number one question Josiah and I get is how do you make friends? How do I find good and godly community? Where do, where do I find these people to do life with? Like, I don't, I don't know how, what does a friendship mean? I would say this community and friendship. I would challenge you this way. Start becoming the friend you wish you had to others Yeah, and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Because I think sometimes it's one-sided where it's like, nobody wants to be my friend. Okay. One, there's a reason why they don't want to be your friend or two, maybe you need to get uncomfortable and start providing the community opportunities that you desire. And Josiah and I have both done this in different ways, in multiple ways, whether it's befriending somebody or saying like, Hey, there's a need for community. Let's start a Bible study or group in our home. Yep. So it starts with 10, 20, 30 young adults doing life together. And now we're marrying them. We're seeing them having kids. Some of them are our best friends. Like community happens when we become uncomfortable, but when you know who you are and who's you are in Christ, the community will come if you're patient and if you wait and surround yourself with the right conversations and the right people. <clears throat> and then the other one is um, a cons consistent spiritual integrity. Wow. Do you have the integrity to say no? Do you have the integrity to finish what you start? Do you have the spiritual integrity to stand up against fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. Can you walk out Christ in every situation? And can you, I mean, I think about what would Jesus do bracelets? It is so funny. and so, so cliche to kind of say that, or like, I lived that the first time. So they're already back and maybe they're already going out again, but the, what would Jesus do <clears throat> bracelets were such a reminder of like, wow, I don't think Jesus and I would roll down our window to yell at the person in front of us in the car. And we learned this from our friend a couple, like a month ago when we were yep. down um, South, um, Alicia Britt Trolley had said this and she's like, when you invite Jesus and you have a spiritual intimacy with him and your integrity is growing and your character is growing, you will say, Jesus and I are going to go to the grocery store. You will think that like, cause you take Christ everywhere you go, whether you realize it or not. And when as you spiritually grow, your spiritual gifts begin to grow. Your ability to discern starts to grow. All these things start growing in you. Is it uncomfortable? Yeah. But God's going to provide opportunities for you to grow. You can't, you can't go, it says like that song, you can't go over it. You can't go under it. you got to go through it. Right. And so if you're walking through the turmoil, you're going to get out on the other side, just like Jesus and the disciple did in the ship or on the boat when they were, the storm was coming, like, and they got to the other side. And so will you. So consistency in your spiritual intimacy comes from reading the word of God comes mm -hmm. from seeking him. And then fourth is the commitment. Are you truly committed to be a lifelong follower of Jesus Christ? Wow. Or when the, when the storms come, are you going to jump ship? Are you going to be panicked like the henny pennies of the world of the books? If you've ever read those, the sky's falling. Oh my gosh. I don't know what I'm going to do. God didn't answer this prayer. I'm out. Okay. When we say yes to Jesus, it's not a contingency plan. If God does this, then I will follow. Babe, that's, that's so good. Not that's so key. How it works. Say that again. If God, I don't even know what I said. You say it. You said something if like. If then. If God doesn't do this, then plan. yeah, it's not a contingency plan. It's not saying if God does this, then I will do X, Y, Z. Hmm. When it comes, like you say, okay, God, I'm going to keep walking until you open the door. If I push on the door and you say, no, I got it. So you're saying that we come to Jesus under his terms and not our own. Correct. Yeah. And I think so many times, and I've been guilty of this, like, Lord, here's my prayer list that I want. And we expect him to yeah, I've been there. give it to us. Yeah. Okay, Lord, I want the spouse. I want the education. I want this. 
And whether he gives it to you or not in whatever time, that's up to him. But when you are in Christ, in community, consistently growing in your spiritual maturity, and there's a commitment, your heart in the commitment factor, you will realize like the commitment you made to him was never actually about you. It was about you going to heaven, yes, but it's making him known on this side of eternity. It's about leading people to Christ on this side of eternity. It's about edifying and using your spiritual gifts that you've discovered through the word of God and how he's wired you in your natural DNA and in the supernatural where you are going to get to team up with him and his kingdom to build his kingdom to make him famous, not to build your entity on this side of eternity to make your name famous. And when that commitment continues to grow, the intimacy, the love, the respect, the the hunger for more of him, When I, I'd say this, when you're seeking Christ, you realize how hungry you actually are. I think so many of us, we are so spiritually anorexic that we don't realize how hungry we actually are. Why? Because we're starving ourselves from the word of God. We're starving ourselves from truth. And we don't really realize the buffet in front of us. And that is an abundant God who wants to bless his children. Even in the turmoil, God makes all things. He makes all things, puts all things together for his good. Out of any tragedy, he can bring the beauty. Out of anything that looks disgusting, grotesque, crazy testimony, when you give God the honor and the glory and the praise, in the process of who he has become to you and who you've become in the process of dedicating your life to him, people will see you and be like, who are you? You're not this person that I remember. Yeah, you're right. Because I have Jesus now. Yeah. Wow. You're right. Because I turned my life around Wow, you're right. Because I decided not to put this under the rug or try to jump over this hurdle of life. I went through the storm to get to the other side and I stayed tethered to God in the process. I stayed tethered to the characteristics of Christ and I've adopted them and they become a part of me. So I would just say like Job, when he experiences all those different things of turmoil, I look, I read that story and I'm encouraged because I'm like, wow, my life is amazing. I have nothing to complain about. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But I'm still going to seek Christ community, spiritual consistency and integrity as well as a commitment. So Love it. I don't know if that helps anybody. I want to encourage you. This is not a condemning message. It's saying like, wow, we've been there and we're going to probably be there again. It's just a matter of time. And what we choose in the process is what fruit is produced on the other side. I want to just close by sharing a story of um, that I think a lot of young adults can relate to because maybe the turmoil is Job-like. We have a few friends that have lost parents, that have lost children, that have just gone through mm-hmm. um, emotional, physical, spiritual, just turmoil. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's your story and and this is going to be a faith that will help you endure what Mike had just unpacked. I think my story, I remember one season of my life where the turmoil was uncertainty. Mm. And as a planner, that drove me nuts. And I think that most of the young adults that I come across can relate to chasing purpose, Mm -hmm. chasing existence, chasing the big questions of God. Like, what do you want to do with my life? There's so much uncertainty and that uncertainty is welling up within me, anxiety and depression and purposelessness and sleepless nights and frustration too, right? Oh my gosh. I remember being so frustrated as a planner. And I did something when I was in high school where I did two years of college. So my general credits were done. I had an associate's degree. It was called PSEO. It was a great decision financially. Mm -hmm. What it did though, is it, I couldn't stall out. 
Yeah. I, I could have taken a gap year. Sure. But if I wanted to pursue that degree, I thought mm-hmm. I was going to go to business school and I began to grow restless. I began to maybe sense that God was leading me in another direction, but wasn't sure mm-hmm. what direction it was. And it was a little bit like Abraham where I'm seeking God and he's saying things like, I'm going to show you when you get there. <laughs> but where am I going? Bingo. Bingo. <laughs> like, I remember that you guys. And <laughs> For the listener, I just want to shed what it looked like for me because maybe you can relate. I think that there's somebody tuning in that is trying to persevere, mm-hmm. trying to wrestle down faith, trying to wrestle down the future. Mm-hmm. And maybe we haven't talked enough about future. And future for Micah, for me, mm-hmm. for all of us, yeah. there is that element of faith yeah. in God who knows the future, but there's uncertainty for me mm-hmm. along the way. Maybe you can relate. And for me, I remember being 18 years old, about to graduate high school, about to have my grad party, about to have a couple hundred of my closest friends and classmates and friends from church and my parents, friends and relatives all show up in the garage. And what am I going to tell them? Because everyone wants to know, where are you going to school? What are you going to major in? That was my life in that season. And I would know if I had the map, right? Bingo. Bingo. There's so much uncertainty. And it felt like I needed to have it all figured out overnight, which I didn't. But here's what I did do. I knew from a young age that God had a plan for my life. Mm -hmm. And there's not a person watching this podcast on YouTube. There's not a person tuning into the FYI podcast right now who would be exempt from the fact that God has a plan and a purpose and an eternal destiny for your life Mm -hmm. and a purpose for you on earth in the time being. And I just want to share this story with you to to encourage you because I had not days, not weeks. Mm -hmm. I had months, maybe a couple of years where I didn't know what the stink, what the junk was happening, (laughs) what I was supposed to do with my life. And that was okay. Mm -hmm. Here's what it did. It developed a muscle, a discipline, a habit (laughs) of seeking after God. And Jeremiah promised that you're going to find God when you seek after him with your whole heart. Well, guess what? Seeking God one time in a service or one time on your couch, that's not your whole heart. That's once. Right. This is a lifestyle. This is surrender to God, open journal, open Bible, open hands, open heart, Mm -hmm. open mind saying, God, I'm yours. If you can use a life like mine, here it is. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't light switch flip snap of the finger. Mm -hmm. Oh, now I have direction. It was months, maybe a couple of years of my life, but looking back, Micah, I'm so grateful for that season of my life because it taught me endurance. It taught me perseverance. It taught me to keep asking. It taught me to keep knocking. It taught me to keep seeking God. Even when I didn't have a miracle, even when I didn't know what the next step to take was, it taught me how to be close to Jesus, which didn't that help me when I was seeking for a spouse? Didn't that help us when yep. we were trying to figure out what to do for career? Didn't that help mm-hmm. us when we were trying to figure out where to live Home, and kids yeah. and all of it? And so I just think that God will get you through the storm, mm-hmm. but the the habits, mm-hmm. the perseverance, the postures that you learn and the disciplines that you learn, they're going to be good for a lifetime of following Jesus with that enduring faith. Yeah. And I would even say like, I don't want to end with a thud because 
at the end of Job, you will see because of his unwavering faith, the book of Job does not start and say, when Job was young, he sought the face of God. Like it doesn't start there. So whatever faith had been built into Job and his daily decisions and his rituals and his dedication to God in the process of becoming the person that we read about, we don't know who he was before in, in regards to how did he get there? Like, how was he so in love with God? And I think what I want to just end on is this, like when we have an unwavering faith, like Job, when he demonstrated this at the end of the book, what did he do before he was even, he, before he even experienced a double portion because God blessed him in a double portion, millions of dollars worth of cattle and land. He had the most beautiful dollars in all the land. So beauty and fame of, of his position that God had given him to the rule and the dominion of all of those things happened because of his unwavering faith, but it didn't happen until Job blessed his friends. He went to his friends and he verbally blessed them after Mm. they had cursed him. So he blessed the people around him that were cursing him and God elevated him. He elevated his position. He gave him a double portion. And it sounds like the once upon a story, there was this, 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 and they all lived happily ever after. We don't know what happened after the book of Job beyond that, but that's kind of how the story wraps up. Like, and I guess our biggest prayer for you is that you do outlast the storm, that you do reach the other side, that you turn that turmoil into a testimony. And when you tell that testimony, it's 10% of what you did and 90% of what God did. And when you are faithful to God, he remains faithful to you because if he's for us, who can be against us? And I think sometimes we think that there's a holy God in heaven waiting to just smite us. Look, there's a holy God in heaven wanting to bless you, but it is contingent on our obedience and our faithfulness that we're going to put forth. Even though sometimes we get things that are blessings that we're like, wow, who are we to get this? What did we do? We didn't always have those answers either. But here's the thing. I believe that there's a double portion for some of you listening today. And you've been choosing to sit in the turmoil and sit in the boat versus actually weather the storm. You have to weather the storm, get up the sails, let the wind take you, let the anchor anchor you, let the word of God penetrate your heart, let the dedication of the Lord stir up your soul to surface anything that's unrighteous in you to bring out the purity, to bring out the, the gold that rises to the top, the cream that rises to the top in you and to sift through all of that. And I go, I don't know. I just want you to go and to know that you are, you are loved. You are seen, you are chosen. We're praying for you as the listeners. We may not know your name or your face, but we do know some of the questions you're asking and some of the things that you're up against. We've been in, we've been through. And if not, we're all going to experience some form of turmoil. And for Josiah, it was the uncertainty and yours may look very different, but I just want to encourage you that God, God is there anchor to him don't settle for anything less than the best along the way in any form of life and living. So it's a joy to journey with you. You're listening to the FYI podcast.